Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, friends, and welcome back to our episode here. Today's episode, I should say, of Everyday Truth. I have a great postcard today from Hanauma Bay, Hawaii. Just look at that. Is that paradise or what? And this is from my good friends, the McGee's, Josh and Jen. Josh, a pastor's down in Clute, Texas. Been my privilege to be there with uh, that great church. And Josh and Jen got a chance to go to Hawaii and thought about me. So thank you. I think, Jen, it was you that did the thinking. But uh, thank you for sending me that postcard. And that's our postcard of the day. We are in Mark chapter number 14, getting close here to the end of the book. We are in a section of Mark where Jesus has completed a very busy week, or I should say is at the end of a very busy week, his last week of ministry, humanly speaking, and he is now entering into the upper room for the what we call the Last Supper. Now, remember, we talked about how the supper was readied for them and everything's in place. So Jesus and the 12 are going to celebrate the supper. Jesus has some incredibly important things to say to them. Most of what Jesus says to them is recorded for us in the book of John. So if you really want to get your mind wrapped around the conversations, the teaching on that night, read John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. All of that whole section is the the teaching and the praying of Jesus on that night. But here in the book of Mark, we find a little bit of what that night was about. And remember that Mark was a disciple of Peter, John Mark, and Peter probably supplied the firsthand information for Mark. Now, obviously, this is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is inspiring this. But humanly speaking, the information that Mark is receiving is coming from Peter. And that's interesting. Keep that in mind as we talk about what is included in this story that uh, Mark retells. Look at verse number 17. And in the evening, he cometh with the 12. So the Passover feast, uh, the the lamb would have been slain uh, earlier in the day, and then the feast would take place at night as people would retire to their homes. They would celebrate that feast commemorating the passing over of the firstborn, remember, as the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost and to, to the lentil of the house, a lentil of the house, and it would be a commemoration of what God did in delivering them from Egypt. But now Jesus is going to give new meaning and give added and deeper meaning to Passover and its purpose. Look at verse number 18. And as they sat and did eat, so this feast would have taken some time. It was during this feast that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. It was during this feast that Jesus taught many lessons about loving each other. But Mark zones in on a couple really important elements of that night. Verse number 18, And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, 
Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. So Jesus had been predicting this for some time now, all the way back in Galilee, all the way back in Capernaum. Jesus had told them, one of you is a devil. So lingering in the minds of these disciples was this nagging knowledge that somebody among them was a betrayer. Now, who is that? They don't know. Who who could be suspected of that? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but certainly it would not have been Judas. Judas would not have been the suspected one. Why do I know that? Because they elected him to be the treasurer. And typically that would be the person that you would trust the most. So here, Jesus again reminds them, somebody's going to betray me. Now, what do we know from the last couple of days of episodes? We know that Judas has already contracted with the Sanhedrin council to betray the Lord. He's already struck the deal. And now he's just looking for an opportunity. So in Judas' mind, he's already halfway there. He's already made the deal. He, the planning process is in place. Opportunity has not presented itself yet. But this very night, uh, Judas is going to go out and kind of finish the deal, isn't he? So I wonder how Judas felt when Jesus said this to the 12. You know, somebody here that's eating with me is going to betray me. Now, put yourself in the mindset of a first century Middle Eastern person where sharing a meal together was the ultimate symbol of acceptance. Sharing a meal together was the ultimate uh, symbol of friendship. And so to abrogate that symbol, friendship and acceptance and protection and all that went along with it, that is just the lowest of the low. So when Jesus said, someone who's eating with me will betray me. And then then think about what Jesus had just done. He had washed their feet. So somebody whom I am accepting and loving and serving and sacrificing for, somebody who is one of my students will betray me. This is so much bigger than I think that we could even make it with our Western eyes and our Western thinking. Look at verse number 19. And they began to be sorrowful. I mean, this really struck them. This was a gut punch to them. They began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, is it I? Another said, is it I? And I love this passage because it shows you the humility. Now we're going to see the pride of these disciples in just a bit. We're going to see their weakness. But this is a moment where this is really tender and special that the disciples are looking at him and saying, you know, am I the one? Are, are you talking about me? Am I the one that's going to betray you? There's humility there in the sense that they are considering that, hey, I think I know myself. I think I would never betray the Lord, but he has said this time and again, and the Lord's word is always true. So could it be that I am? And I think there ought to always be in the heart of modern day believers, this same spirit of humility that were it not for the grace of God, there go I. And we are all, we all have the capacity, don't we, to fall 
in this area or that area. And it's not that we could lose our salvation. We know the Bible doesn't teach that. But wow, we need not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly. And that's what Paul reminded us of in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. And wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. So I love the spirit of humility that we're seeing in verse number 19. Verse 20, and he answered and said unto them, it is one of the 12 that dippeth with me in the dish. Now, some have thought, well, that's pretty obvious then. Just look for the one that dips with Jesus in the dish and everyone's going to know that's the guy. I don't think that's what the Bible's teaching. I think what Jesus is saying here is it, it, it's one of you 12 and certainly one that's going to be eating, dipping with the dish with me. So we, we uh, at our house, if you were to come over for a party uh, at our house and we had some hors d'oeuvres out there, maybe some salts and some chips I would probably make the qualifying statement, hey, no double dipping, no double dipping. I don't want you eating your chip and then putting the rest of your chip into that salsa, no double dipping, right? Well, I mean, back in Oriental custom, that was, that was not a thing. I mean, dipping was, everyone dipped from the same dish or dipped from the same sauce. And on Passover, you had the different sauces, the bitter sauces that were available. What Jesus was saying is in the intimacy of this meal, where we're sharing the same food together, where we're dipping in the same dish together, that level of intimacy will, 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 uh, will include a betrayer among us. So it wasn't that Jesus was using that statement to say, that's the guy, I think it was that Jesus was using that statement to say, indeed, it is one of the 12 and one that is willing to partake in an intimate activity like eating together. That's the point, that we're, we're actually dipping into the same dish together and you're going to betray me. Now, obviously, we're going to see as the, these episodes unfold that Judas betrays the Lord and in an even more intimate way in that he betrays him with a kiss of greeting. So think about the kiss of greeting right against the cheek of Jesus. And think about dipping together into the same sauce and eating together, having one's feet washed by. I mean, think about all of this is banging around in the conscience of Judas, that this man, this Messiah, this master of mine is loving me. He's close to me. This is intimate. And with every statement of Jesus, the conscience of Judas is becoming more and more hardened to say, I will go forward. I will go forward. You know, I think that's true of all sin. I think whenever we kind of covenant in our mind premeditatively, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sin in this way. And it's just going to be a matter of when I get the opportunity. I think the time between decision and action, that murky middle where we haven't done it yet, but we intend to do it, and there's that murky middle of looking for opportunity, I think that's a time when the Lord in His grace asks clarifying questions or makes clarifying statements like, do you really want to go through with this? Do you really want to? I love you. 
we're close, you're mine, do you really want to? And I think these are all playing into the conscience of Judas. Look at verse number 20 again. It's one of the 12 that dippeth with me in the dish, but then watch what he says in verse 21. The Son of Man, again, a title for Messiah, the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, listen, yes, the Son of Man will be betrayed. Yes, the Son of Man will be will be killed as the Bible has predicted. And Jesus has been teaching this theme for months now. So it's not that Judas, maybe, maybe what Judas was thinking was, hey, Jesus said he's going to die anyway. Might as well make some money on it. Jesus said Messiah is going to have to die anyway. And if that be true, then I might as well cash in on or maybe even my betraying him is going to hasten the process that Jesus has already said is going to happen. But here's where Jesus answers that line of thinking. Because he says, yeah, indeed, I will die. And the Bible makes that very clear. But see that in verse 21, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. So just because it will happen doesn't mean that you then have the right to hasten it to happen or to make it happen. Well, Jesus is going to die anyway, so my betrayal isn't going to make it happen. Maybe that was Judas' thinking. and But Jesus said, no, there is no excuse for betrayal. And the Bible says, good were it for that man if he had never been born. I can't think of a more sad statement about a human being than that statement. It would have been better if you were never born. Now, Judas is hearing those words. He's there in those in that room, and he's hearing Jesus say, it would have been better never to have, to have existed than to have existed and betray the Lord, to say no to the grace of Jesus. I think that statement is a statement true of every person who ultimately rejects the Lord and in that sense betrays him. And Judas here stands as a symbol of betrayal and what a sad symbol that is. So we're going to stop there uh, for today uh, at the end of verse number 21. We'll jump right in the middle of this feast again next episode, verse number 22. So I hope you'll join us for that. Until then... Have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.